Um, but there's one type of reading comprehension question that I want to um, just introduce to you. Um, and the reason I want to introduce that to you is for those of you that are going to be taking your state board, what do we say? 22? Is that what we said? Okay. Um, this style question, which is called a closed question, um, might show up on your um, board exam in the form, and you wouldn't know it, but um, I don't believe they introduced this style of question yet to be actually scored towards your um, overall score of taking your in-class. But what you're going to, if you see some strange looking questions on there, um, for RNs, for the RNs um, in CLEX, there's about 10, um, like, what do I want to say? Um, there's 10 non-graded questions that they put in your exam just so that they can um, get statistics on how well students are doing on those types of questions and if they are indeed when they run the analytics on that question is it a fair question is it a good question so i would suspect that when you guys take your boards you may see some kind of questions and you're like what in the world but just keep in mind that that could possibly be one of those non-scored questions that they're gearing up to put on what they are calling the next gen NCLEX, which will come out in the following year in 23. So I just wanted you to I just wanted to introduce you to this style of question. It's called close. Um, this is not unique to just college level questions. There are closed type questions that they can uh, gauge reading comprehension in lower levels too. So what is a closed item question? It's a strategy that is used to assess the candidate's understanding of a concept. So the candidates are required to fill in a passage with correct words. Oh, I guess I need to hit this record button. So let's back up here. What is a closed item question? A strategy used to assess um, a candidate's understanding of a concept. Candidates will be required to fill in a passage with correct words from a word bank. And you might think, oh, word bank, that makes it easy. No, it doesn't. Because if you don't understand the concept, the words could all be used in that particular sentence. And you wouldn't, you actually have to know the whole content. So options may be presented after a case study. So they might give you a whole case study to read and then give you options with like, there'll be a blank space and there'll be a drop down menu. You'll click and there'll be a drop down menu and then you would choose from the options there. And up to six responses might be required to answer your passage correctly. So within one passage there might, there can be up to six different uh, blanks that you would need to fill in from your Dropbox menu. Okay, you can't read this. I'm sorry, it's too small. Um, but I, I put it on the PowerPoint if you want to look over this one, um, you can. This was kind of a fun one and last year I printed it out and gave it to students. 
Um, but this is obviously not a nursing one, it's a Harry Potter one. And I don't know much about Harry Potter, um, but a lot of you probably do. And I just wanted, I'm just gonna read a couple of the sentences there with the word choices so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about, but you would have to understand the content and the concept or you wouldn't be able to get the question right. So the first, are there any Harry Potter fans out there? Um, the first sentence is, Harry Potter is a series of seven fantasy novels written, and in the blank, British author J.K. Rowling. Okay, so if you didn't know anything about Harry Potter or J.K. Rowling, um, you, you might not get this right, because it could be Harry Potter is a series of seven fantasy novels written for J.K. Rowling, for, by J.K. Rowling or about J.K. Rowling. Does that make sense now? So we know that it's written by J.K. Rowling, but if you didn't know that, you, you would just make it. Um, let me do another sentence. If I can read it. The books chronicle the adventures of the adolescent wizard Harry Potter together blank Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger. Okay. So the books chronicle the adventure of the adolescent wizard Harry Potter together among Ron Weasley with Ron Weasley or concerning Ron Weasley. So it would be with. Does that make sense? Kind of okay. We won't go through all of these. But here's what a nursing example might be. And this is an example that came straight from the National Council Board of um, State Boards of Nursing, NCSBN. So this question says, complete the following sentence by choosing from the list of options. Now, they didn't give me the actual where we can click on and get the Dropbox, but I'll read you the, the passage. The nurse should recognize that the fetal heart rate might or may what? The maternal temperature may what? And the amniotic fluid may be what? Upon rupture of membrane if treatment is delayed. Infection can cause adverse outcomes for the fetus such as what? So each one of those, would, you would have a menu of words that you could choose from. Another example might be, they would give you um, the history, kind of a, a case to look at for this patient. So this patient, on day two of hospitalization, the nurse checks Victoria's vital signs and notes a blood pressure of 98 over 64 and a heart rate of 62 beats per minute. On review of the lab data, the nurse notes the following. So she's got a hemoglobin of 14, a hematocrit of 41%, her white count is 7,000, her sodium is 145, potassium is 3.6, BUN is 20, creatinine is 1.1, and her blood glucose is 99. So right now, the candidate or the student taking the exam should look at all this lab data and know 
if anything is out out of the normal range. So then the question would be based on what we just saw. The nurse should not administer, and then it would drop down and say which one of these four medicines, catapult, doxin, glimepride, or furosemide, because the blood pressure is low, the pulse is low, the glucose is low, or the potassium is low. So you look at this case study, and you look at all the labs and her vitals, and then they ask you, well, which medicine should you not give because of what reason? Does that make sense? So we would have to go back and look. And so you as the candidate would have to know what each one of these medications are for. And right now, you don't know that. Well, you might know that, but um, I wouldn't expect that you should know um, this at this level. So, um, Catapril, the Doxin, these are, Catapril is going to lower the blood pressure. The Doxin is going to slow and strengthen the heart. Um, Glimepride is going to lower blood sugars. Furosemide is a diuretic. So let's go back and look. Hmm. So we go, okay. Back, let's look at, okay, what was her blood sugar? Are we going to administer? Well, her blood sugar is within normal limits. So it would be okay to give her her um, oral hyperglycemic. Potassium, let's go over here once again. We have to worry about potassium because Lasix is going to um, drop the potassium level, okay? So if her potassium's low, we wouldn't worry about that Lasix, but her potassium's within normal limits. So that one would be okay to give. Digoxin slows and strengthens the heart. And so this is one of those medications that you have to check an apical heart rate for one solid minute before you give this medication. So let's look and see if they gave us any information on this digoxin. Yeah, they did. Her her pulse is 62 beats per minute, so it would be okay to give that digoxin at this time. And then the other medication that was listed was Catapril. That one is gonna lower blood pressure. So let's go up here and look. 98 over 64. Hmm. That's not too bad, but it's a little low. Um, and a lot of times if the blood pressure is less than 100, 100 systolic, or um, 60 diastolic, we would hold it. So if I were taking this exam, that's the answer I would choose because I feel like um, her blood pressure is a little low and I wouldn't want to lower it anymore. Okay. So that's how you got to kind of think those questions through. And I know you're not to that point right now. You will be. You will be by the time you graduate. Okay. That's, that's all I was going to say as far as those um, comprehension type reading questions. Um, part of being successful when you take exams, whether it's here in your nursing program or when you go to take um, your big exam, um, I just have some tips on um, your performance, okay? Because you can study, 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 
and still not perform well. So we, there are some strategies that you can do to help you perform. And the first one I want to talk about is getting a good night's sleep. Um, students do not appreciate the importance of getting a good night's sleep before taking an exam. Um, and also the need to eat um, before your exam. So let's talk a little bit about sleep. There is a relationship between sleep and grades. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I hope so. The National Institute of Health reports that students who are sleep deprived have a lower GPA due to the impact that sleep has on concentration and memory. By a show of hands, how many of you think you get enough sleep? Three people in here sleep enough? <laughs> Four? <laughs> I'm not going to ask y'all what your GPAs are, but they might be higher than the ones. How many of you in here are sleep deprived? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you work midnight shift and then come here for school after a midnight shift? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're a Wonder Woman back there. Yeah, that's hard. All right. So being tired makes students more of a passive learner than an active learner. What do I mean by that? A, a passive learner is someone who um, is tired and they just barely make it to class and so they're sitting there and because they're so tired they could maybe doze off a little bit but um, they're not super involved. They kind of let everybody around them join in on the discussions um, rather than um, initiating discussions or answering questions. So they're more of a passive learner. Yeah, they're, they're kind of paying attention, but um, when you're really tired, it's hard. Also, sleep improves your immune system. And when you come to class and you don't feel well, um, it prevents you from actively participating in learning. When you, when you have a cold or, you know, sinus infection or something you feel bad enough as it is you can barely make it to class um, sleep deprivation affects the mood how many of you would agree with that yeah when you get tired you get a little grouchy yeah everybody in my house does um, and that affects learning and lack of sleep can also leave a student feeling stressed before exams if you feel stressed before exams, it's kind of like you got strike against you going into that test, okay? So if you're well rested, you're going to be able to perform better. You can think more clearly and you can also recall information better if you um, get a good night's sleep before. So what are some things that we can do to get a good night's sleep? Some people have difficulty sleeping and when you're stressed, it's really hard to sleep. Um, but some of the things you can do is skip the caffeine the night before an exam. And that's kind of hard to do because how many of you feel like you need coffee or other sorts of caffeine to stay awake to study late? Um, or those Red Bulls or something like that. Please don't drink those, those aren't good for you. Um, so, but skipping caffeine um, the night before a test so that you can sleep better. Caffeine increases adrenaline levels and can cause stress. Um, and you want to pay attention to consuming chocolate because it can have um, small amounts of caffeine in it.
Um, eating a healthy diet can also help you to sleep better. Um, you want to avoid eating a big or a heavy meal the night before an exam because it, when your digestive system is overloaded, you don't sleep as well. So eating um, a light meal or a meal that's easy to digest the night before an exam. Avoiding an intense workout um, in the evening before, um, because that does, um, if you're intensely working out right before bedtime, you're not going to sleep as well. Exercise, though, is excellent to improve memory, but you don't want to do that uh, late in the evening. You'll want to finish exercising at least three hours before you go to bed. Brisk walks can help improve um, sleep quality. And then yoga is very beneficial for, for helping you to relax and sleep, and it's very beneficial um, for stress management leading up to exams. Um, as far as um, actually when it's time to go to sleep, you'll want to avoid distractions. Um, the, the blue light that comes from digital clocks or your um, iPads, cell phones can interfere with sleep, so you want to turn all those devices off um, when you go to sleep and turn the clock, if you, if you do have a clock, and turn it away from, from you so you're not seeing that. It's um, advised to not watch TV or be on the iPad or computer while you're in bed. If you're like me, you have to have the TV to go to sleep, so um, I'm, not, I'm not good at that myself, but um, it does impair um, your, your deep sleep. A darkened room will signal your brain to release melatonin. Have you heard of that one before? Melatonin helps with sleep, so if you're in the dark, your body will produce that melatonin. And then white noise can sometimes help. Something, some people have an app on their phone that will um, give you like a white noise sound. Um, a fan or air conditioning, something like that can kind of help drown out outside noise, like maybe noise on the street, the cars going by and that sort of thing. Or if you have loud neighbors. And then scheduling sleep time. The brain gets used to a healthy sleep schedule and the body will respond to a relaxing routine before you go to bed. Uh, it can be a bath or um, if you read something that's not school related, not something that's going to stress you out before you go to bed. <clears throat> Listening to music, so just getting in a routine. But if you're one that like naps at different intervals throughout the day, that kind of confuses the body and it will cause the body to be feel stressed and even more tired. So if you schedule sleep time to where you're going to sleep and waking up at the same time every day, your body will be more rested than if you um, say, oh, I gotta go grab a nap. Because how many of you will grab a nap in the evening and then you can't sleep during the night and you lay awake there till 2 a.m. trying to fall asleep? You've defeated the purpose. There's also um, benefits to certain types of foods that can help you to perform better on the test. Um, foods that will improve memory and concentration are those fatty dishes where you can get omega-3s. 
So oily fish, cold water fish, salmon, trout, sardines, yeah, sardines. Um, and then dark fruits and vegetables for antioxidants, that's good for memory and concentration. So blueberries and then your dark beans, red beans, black beans. Complex carbohydrates are good for brain fuel. So that's things like your oatmeal, beans, uh, fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables, so complex carbs. So you should never skip breakfast, especially on days that you have an exam. You want quality proteins to sustain energy, so lean meat, eggs, soy foods, low-fat milk, and then um, hydrating yourself, lots of water. That also is good for um, brain function. So a healthy breakfast should contain those dark fruits and vegetables, a protein, a whole grain food, but if you're in a rush, um, you can get a lot of these um, ingredients in a smoothie. So you can grab a smoothie or have, you know, make one real quick before you leave. Oh, that's all I have. Okay. All right. So, um, we're going to do a Kahoot? Because we got that early. Does anybody have any um, tips or suggestions on um, breakfast foods that are that you do that you have found that work? Smoothies. Um, I know, I know a few people that swear by their smoothie in the morning. So I buy all my ingredients, you know, the kale and um, the fruits and the um, plain Greek yogurt and all that to mix it up. And then I find, oh my gosh, it takes 10 minutes to fix that thing. And I'm running late and out the door and I just don't even seem to have time to fix a smoothie. Um, but on the mornings that I have, I actually have felt better. And um, I have told students um, for years to please, please, please eat before an exam. Now don't eat something heavy or greasy that's gonna cause your stomach to hurt, but you've got to eat something before because every cell in your body um, utilizes glucose and that includes the cells in your brain and if your brain does not have glucose um, and I don't mean like sugar but carbohydrates your body will process those um, as glucose if your brain cells do not have that they're not functioning properly so you must eat before an exam okay let's see what kind of kidneys I have on here